Well, we've been in a series called RTL Vibes, and uh, I hope it's been encouraging to you. I've had a number of people um, just share with me in a word of encouragement saying we've really enjoyed this series, and I think for me personally, uh, it's always good to go back and refresh your heart, refresh your mind as relates really to the things that matter most, and that's really uh, kind of the heart behind this series is helping us understand the importance and place or value of core values in our lives. And the reason why that's so important is because whether we realize it or not, our values or core values, they, they really do, they drive our decisions. They, they determine our priorities, those priorities, those, those guidelines, those principles in our lives that are most important to us. And I think if we're not careful, um, sometimes we fail to overlook the importance of those things because whether we realize it or not, our values, our core beliefs, okay, our priorities, they affect not just our lives, they affect our marriages, our family, our relationships, our workplace, our schools. And unfortunately, we live in a world today where there's a lack of core values. In other words, there's a sense of confusion when it comes to what people believe and why they believe it. And when you think about it, you see so much division in our culture today. And I think one of the reasons why there's a lack of unity or the reason why there's so much division is because so many people have so many mixed opinions as it relates to what is right and what is wrong. And their opinions or their values have been shaped by so many Unfortunately, for many, toxic and unhealthy things. And so it skews people's perspectives. It, it clouds their belief system. And therefore, for a lot of people, they don't know what they believe nor why they believe it. But they just go along with what everybody else says is right or true. But you know, in the Bible, in Jeremiah, and this is not in your notes, and it's not going to be on the screen, but this was the underlying passage we started with in week one. I mean, in Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, I'm just going to read this to you. It says, this is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast about, don't let the, don't, don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. And what's so powerful about that is this, is that that word boast simply means what is most important. And so when you think about what is most important to our lives, what's most important to our marriage, our family relationships, What's most important for my decisions, my priorities? Well, the reason why we must understand and define what those things are is because, once again, they drive our decisions. And that's the reason why, when you think about our culture and our world today, what do they boast in? Well, they boast in a lot of things that are important to them, which is intelligence and power and wealth and possessions. That's what the world boasts in. That's what's important to the world. But at the end of the day, what God desires, what's important to him is that we, that you and me, we know God and we make him known. That's the vibe he wants us to carry as followers of Jesus Christ. And so with that in mind, we've been looking at uh, really our six core values, what is important to us, 
the things that are near and dear to our heart, who we want to become and what we want to be known for. In week one, we talked about honor is our calling. And then week two, we talked about generosity is our way. And then week three, we talked about love for God is our passion. And then we talked about excellence is our spirit. And last week, we talked about people are our heart. And today, I believe I've saved the best for last. And the reason why is because without this one, it's hard to do all the others. And that is positive is our attitude. Can I get an amen? amen? Let me just ask you a question. How many of you know somebody who need a checkup from the neck up? Let me see your hands. How many of you are sitting next to that person? No, don't raise your hand. <laughs> so, you know, we all can relate to the fact that we're surrounded by people each and every day who have what is known as stinking thinking. You know what I'm saying? And so we just live in this culture. We live in this world of negativity. Negativity is the norm. We're surrounded by negativity, negative situations and circumstances and people and environments. I mean, it's just endless in the world of negativity. I literally watched the world news last night on ABC at 630 when it came on. And I'm, te I, I'm telling you, I was, I was, it was unbelievable. Literally 99% of the entire broadcast was negative. And they saved one little feel-good story at the very end. I'm like, are you kidding me? And it's just a crazy, it's the world, it's the, it's the mindset in which so many people have now called normal. And here's the thing, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 2, and I love how the message captures this. Wise thinking leads to right living. Stupid thinking leads to wrong living. It's been said that our attitude is the paintbrush of our mind. And so when you think about the power of our attitude, I also believe this. Someone shared with me one time, and I thought this was so true. If we fill our minds with the wrong things, it will result in wrong attitude and behaviors. And what are the wrong attitudes and behaviors? John Maxwell has identified five things that cause negative thinking and wrong attitudes. He said number one is discouragement. Number two is change. People don't like change. Obviously, nobody likes to be discouraged. Problems, number three. Fear, number four. And, and, and failure, number five. So discouragement, change, problems, fear, failure. We can all relate to that because we've all experienced it. Some of you are experiencing it right now. But here's the key. The key is so much of our happiness depends on what we choose to pay attention to. So if we pay attention to those five things, well, yeah, it's going to wreck your mood. It's going to wreak havoc on your perspective. Yeah, it's going to cause your thinking to really stink simply because you're paying attention to the wrong things, those destructive things, those things are going to pull you down. Well, no wonder so many people live each and every day with a, with a perspective that negativity is normal. And the reason why is because they've never learned how to see things from God's perspective. And so one of the things that we're going to learn today is this. We're going to learn how to 
fill our minds with the right things. And I don't think there's a, a better person to learn from than Paul the Apostle, who was faced with all kinds of situations. Those things that we just highlighted, those five things, well, he, he lived those out. I mean, that was his, that was his norm. But yet he didn't choose to focus on those things. He didn't pay attention to those things. But here's what he said in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And I'm reading through the paraphrase message translation. The reason why is because I think it really gets down to where we live. In a very clear and practical way. And here's what he said. He said, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet. I love that. That you are on their side, working with them and not against them. I just love that. Can you imagine just being around people where you're just life-giving? You know what I'm saying? And then he goes on to say, help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up any minute. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, notice what he said to do. Pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and notice, settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Now, I don't know about you, but that resonates with me. I mean, that just kind of like speaks my language. And the reason why is because we all live this each and every day. We all deal with discouragement. We all deal with fear. We all deal with change. We all deal with situations and circumstances that are beyond our control. Listen, we all deal with stuff. But here's the thing. Paul was basically saying, you can either allow your stuff to control you or you can, you can take your attitude and let God do something in you and through you to can help control your stuff. And so here's the thing. Four things that we learn from that one passage of scripture. Notice Paul said, celebrate God all day, every day. Just celebrate God. I, the way I look at that is I just live a life of worship each and every day. 24-7, an audience of one just focusing on Jesus. Add value to other people. Let them know you're working with them. You're for them, not against them. Give God your concerns. Instead of you trying to figure it all out, just give it to God. And then notice, experience God's wholeness. That simply means that you are living a life that's not compartmentalized. In other words, God is not just a piece of your life on Sunday. No, he is your life. And so as a result of that, it changes your perspective. And through the change of perspective, here's what it does. It allows you to be able to live a life that is fulfilled. Why? Because you are living your life according to God's good and pleasing and perfect will. How many of you like to live that kind of life each and every day? Come on. I, I, listen, that's, I, listen, I'm preaching to myself today, okay? It's easier said than done. Trust me. But here's the key. The key to living a fulfilled life is filling our minds correctly. And here's the thing. We can alter our lives by altering the way we think. In other words, happiness is a choice. 
It truly is. Happiness is a choice. Uh, Michelle, my wife, when we went to Europe, um, we had this little zipper bag of all these little bottles. You know, we had, you know, we had soap and shampoo, and, and she had she had she had a bottle for everything. I'd never seen something like this before. And so one of the things that she had, she had like this little, uh, it was like perfume spray, just like a deodorizer. And so everywhere we'd go, she'd kind of pump a few of those little, you know, little sprays, you know, in the hotel room and just, you know, all those little places. And I'm thinking, when did you start doing that? She said, well, I just felt like, you know, we, we, we just needed to, you know, make sure that we, we, we got, you know, got rid of all whatever's in here. I said, well, I don't know if it worked because I got sick through the whole thing. But anyway, but that was her whole thing. It was, uh, oh, that's your problem. You got stinking thinking going on. But wouldn't it be awesome if we could just carry around little bottles of like sweet spirit spray? Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, I, I believe if you're an entrepreneur, you ought, to, you ought to go hard on that. I mean, you ought to figure out a way because there's a market for that. How many of you would buy it? If you knew it worked and sweet spirit spray, I mean, you just walk in tomorrow at work in your little cubicle and you just kind of just spray sweet spirit all over everybody. You walk in your boss's office, sweet spirit. You know what I'm saying? Walk in tomorrow at school, just spray your classroom, spray your teacher, sweet spirit. I mean, maybe that'd be awesome. You could just change the atmosphere. Well, here's what Paul said we could do to live that kind of life, a fulfilled life. And this is powerful. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. We continue. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse, put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Notice, do that. Turn to your neighbor and say, do that. Do that in God who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Isn't that good? I love that. So simple and practical. So here are four things I want to share with you, and i got to hurry. Four things I want to share, and this is so important. And Paul tells us, I mean, he lays it all out. Here are four things that you got to do so that positive becomes your attitude and you can live a fulfilled life. Here's what he said to do. Number one, he said, possess a teachable spirit. Teach a, listen, it is so important that we have a teachable spirit. I love John Maxwell says, I love John Maxwell. He speaks a lot about these issues, but he said, it's after, it's what you learned after you know it all that counts. You know what I'm saying? I was on my, on, I was FaceTiming my son Luke yesterday. And he's starting uh, Highlands College. It's a ministry school there in Birmingham, Alabama. And I said, Luke, I said, I want you to walk in tomorrow. You know, speaking, speaking of tomorrow being Monday school, I said, I want you to walk in tomorrow. And I said, I want you to go in. I want you to have an open heart. I want you to have an open mind. I said, I want you to embrace everything that God has for you. I said, because listen, I said, you're walking in with an advantage that a lot of kids have never had. I said, you grew up in church. You have the opportunity to see it all behind scenes. That's all you've ever known. You've had the opportunity to be on stage. 
you've had the opportunity to do what those kids are going to figure out. I said, so don't walk in acting like you will know it all. You go in with a humble, teachable spirit, and you embrace everything that God has for you, and watch what God will do for your life. You know, and it's, it's, we have to have that kind of spirit. Verse 9, what did Paul say? He said, put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. That's powerful. So we got to have an open, receptive, teachable spirit. And you know how you know whether or not somebody's got a teachable spirit? Just speak truth into their life. In other words, tell them what they need to hear, not necessarily what they want to hear. Just, have, just real quick, you'll see their, their, their body language, their facial expressions, and here's what the response will be. Our friend Lisa Young says it this way. When someone speaks truth into your life, you either get mad or you get mature. Hello. That'll pack your lunch. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Notice Jesus' example. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. In other words, in other words when, when he, listen, when, when Jesus, knowing Jesus knew who he was, he was God. But he didn't come, to, listen, when he came into, the, into his own, into the ministry, he didn't walk around saying, hey, y'all know who I am? I already know what's going on around here. I'm God. No, 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 no. He came with a totally different disposition. Notice, though he was God, he did not think equality of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, notice, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. There's no greater example of having a teachable spirit and walking with the spirit of humility than that of Christ Jesus. And we're to have the same attitude as Christ. The second thing that Paul teaches us is not only do we need to possess a teachable spirit, he said to take responsibility for your attitude. In other words, be the attitude that you want to be around. That's huge. Notice what Paul said. He said in verses 8 and 9, I'd say you do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true and noble and reputable and authentic and compelling and gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you've learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Three things he said. He said, fill your mind on good things. Fill your mind on good things. In other words, take responsibility for yourself when it comes to what, <clears throat> what you choose to fill your mind with. In other words, we take responsibility for what we choose when it comes to the books we read, the music we listen to, the people we associate with, to the places we go. We take responsibility for the things that we choose to fill our minds with. And then he said, meditate on good things. So rather than dwelling upon the negative, paying attention to whatever those things are, no, 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 he said meditate, dwell, pay attention to good things. And then he said practice, hey, do, put into practice those things. Why? Because those things are the very things that's going to allow you to overcome the things 
that perhaps the enemy uses to sabotage you. I love the story about the two guys on the lunch. They were on lunch break, construction workers, and they took a little break, and one of the guys opened up his lunch pail, and as soon as he saw a sandwich, he said, I knew it, I can't believe it. He said, bologna sandwich. It is a fourth day I've had a bologna sandwich. He said, I hate bologna sandwiches. I'm burned out on bologna sandwiches. Why do I have to have a bologna sandwich? The guy sitting next to him said, bro, chill out. It's just a bologna sandwich. He said, if you don't like bologna sandwiches, he said, just go home. And he said, tell your wife. Hey, you don't like bologna sandwiches. Tell her. He said, keep, keep my wife out of this. He said, I pack my own lunch. <laughs> you know what the truth is behind that point? Hey, if you've got bologna in your life, guess who packed it? So here's the deal. For many of us, we don't realize Hey, we are the ones who are guilty of having that stinking thinking. So we got to realize that we have to own it and take responsibility for our own attitude. And then number three, he said, travel the high road. I love that. Travel the high road. You know, we can't, listen, we can't control what happens to us. That's a given. God is in control of what happens to us. At the end of the day, we're not in control. We can't control what happens to us, but we can control what happens in us. And here's something that I think is very important. God chooses also what we go through, but we choose how we go through it. It's our choice. Again, happiness is a choice. Verse 8, Paul said, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true and noble and reputable and authentic and compelling and gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly things to praise, not things to curse. So isn't it interesting that you literally can take two human beings and put them, listen, Put them in the same family, put them in the same situation, same atmosphere, same environment. Listen, you can take two students, put them in the same classroom. Listen, two athletes, put them on the same team, same situation, same coach, same teacher, same mom, same dad, same house, same everything. And yet one sees things from a positive perspective and one sees things from a negative perspective. It's crazy. called the high road and the low road you see the low road treats others worse than they treat us the middle road treats others the same as they treat us and the high road is treating others better than they treat us imagine if we live that way and we treated everybody better than they treat us I saw something yesterday that really ministered to me. Because, you know, it, it, it is somewhat unusual when you're just around positive people, happy people, people who just seem to live with the right kind of perspective and seem to kind of just um, take things in stride a little easier than others. And this quote really ministered to me. Sometimes people won't like your joy. That's okay. 
give them some grace because they just don't know or understand all the trials it took to get you there. You know, I've learned is that a lot of those people that are happy, who have a different perspective, their mindset is positive as their attitude. The reason why they're that way is because they've never had problems or because they had a perfect life or no, 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 no. Most of the time you will find that those people have overcome tremendous, tremendous challenges, trials, setbacks, hurts, struggles in their life. But rather than those things in and of themselves to destroy them, they've learned to overcome them and they've kept it all in perspective. They've just kept it all in perspective. And they realize, I choose my spirit. I choose my perspective. I choose whether I'm going to take the high road or the low road in life. And number four, Paul said it like this. Here's the fourth thing. Understand the value of a good attitude. There is a reason why embracing the idea or the value that positive should be our attitude is because there's great benefit in that. But the problem is, is that some of us have been stuck in that stinking thinking for so long that a lot of us, our attitude stinks and we don't even know it stinks. Kind of like the two guys on the elevator that were stuck. One of the guys leaned over to the other one and said, hey, bro, he said, man, one of our deodorants isn't working. The other guy said, well, it must be yours because I don't use it. So a lot of people, they stink, and they don't even know they stink. When it comes to their attitude and perspective and just their demeanor, the way they carry themselves. Paul said, verse 9, do that. And God, who makes everything work together, will work you into, listen, his most excellent harmony. It's been said that there's very little difference in people. The little difference is their attitude. But the big difference is whether it's positive or it's negative. That's huge. So I want you to think for a moment, what would it be like if we all just embraced the idea that, you know what? Positive is my attitude. That's my vibe. That's how I'm going to roll. That's how I'm going to handle situations and circumstances that are beyond my control. Because I can't control those things, but I can't control. I can't control my own spirit. I can't control how I choose to respond to those things. Imagine what that would do in our marriage relationship. Imagine what that would do just in our family atmosphere and culture in our home. Where we talk to one another, treat one another get along with one another. Imagine if our schools took on that kind of attitude and perspective. Man, that would be a miracle. Imagine if our government took on that. Imagine if our world 
lived these things out that Paul taught us today. It's going to change. What kind of world we would have. It's God's good. It's God's pleasing and perfect will for all of our lives. And at the end of the day, it's our choice to either embrace that or resist that. And I pray that today we'll embrace everything that God has for us. Amen? Let's bow our heads together in prayer. So as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed for just a moment. You know, I know even as followers of Jesus Christ, it is so easy to take our eyes off Jesus and to pay attention to our circumstances, our struggles, our challenges, our setbacks, our hardships. It's so easy to focus on those things, to dwell on those things, to pay attention to those things. But I pray that today we'll be reminded and once again encouraged and challenged to shift our thinking away from those things that are beyond our control, but shifting our thinking towards those things that are true and noble and good. And I pray that today that we'll embrace the value of being positive, hope-filled, optimistic, seeing things, seeing things from God's eternal perspective rather than just always looking at the temporal. So Father, today we pray that you'd speak to our hearts. God, help us to put into practice those things that Paul told us to do. And I pray if you're here today and Maybe you're not a follower of Christ. Maybe you came, maybe a friend invited you. Maybe you're unclear, you're uncertain about where you stand in your relationship with God. Can I just say more than anything, as I said at the very beginning, that at the end of the day, God just wants you to know Him. I don't want you to have a relationship with Him. He made you so that He could have a relationship with you. And the only reason why people don't have a relationship with God is because of something called sin. And that's why Jesus came, to die for your sin and for mine. And he arose again so that we could live victorious and have victory in every area of our lives and have forgiveness, new beginnings, and live a life of fulfillment and to live according to his plans and his purposes for our lives. If that's your need, if that's your heart today, if that's something you would like to nail down, can I just invite you to pray this prayer in your heart? Just say something like this. Just say, dear God, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I turn from my sin. And today, Jesus, I'm, I'm inviting you into my life to forgive me and to save me and to change me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, no one's looking. If you prayed that prayer, and in your heart, you meant it. Can I celebrate with you today? Would you let me know by just simply holding your hand high toward heaven, saying, yes, I prayed that prayer. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Just hold it high toward heaven today. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Thank you. God, we just celebrate with these. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. God, help us to not just be hearers of the word, but help us to be doers of the word. Help us to walk out of here and put this into practice so that we can fulfill 
We live out your good, pleasing, and perfect will. And may our attitudes be a witness and a testimony to an unbelieving, skeptical world hurting. May they taste and see that the Lord is good in our lives. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God all the praise and glory he deserves and celebrate with those. Well, as I stated, I, I hope my prayer is that this uh, series, RTL Vibes, has encouraged you and challenged you. These six core values are so, so important to us. It's what we want to be known for, these characteristics, these principles that we've talked about over the last six weeks. If you missed them, you can go online, catch up on some of those. But uh, let me just encourage you today, if you prayed that prayer, you raised your hand, and you uh, acknowledge that you invited Christ into your life, uh, first of all, we just want to say congratulations. We'd love to um, help you and encourage you any way we can. And one of the ways you can help us do that is by filling out the white communication card. It looks just like this. Uh, in just a few moments, the offering container will come by. You can place this in that offering container. But if you prayed that prayer, it, there's a, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> there is a statement on the back that says, I made a spiritual decision today. So if you prayed that prayer, we'd love to know it by just asking you to put a check mark in that box. And you can, e once again, either drop, <laughs> excuse me, you can either drop it in the offering bucket or you can take it out to the lobby area and uh, ask one of the folks there at our Next Steps banner um, to give you one of our little booklets that we put together called Rethinking Life Every Day. And so just kind of, <laughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. Struggle with this cough all week, but it just outlines some next steps in your spiritual journey. We also have a free Bible. We'd love to give it to you. So if we can help you in any way, uh, we would love to do that. Uh, we have baptism the last Sunday of September, and it's our last beach baptism for this calendar year. So if that's something you're interested in, we'd love to talk to you further about that. You can also go to the next steps banner on your way out as well. But we're going to continue in our time of worship as we prepare our hearts uh, for the offering today. Uh, worship, uh, excuse me, giving is a part of worship. And so uh, I just want to say as we prepare our hearts, there's uh, multiple ways you can give here at Rethink Life. As so many people do, you can give online. Uh, you can give through the white envelope that's there in your uh, worship guide. It looks just like this. And uh, you can place your offering in there. You can also give via text. And so here at Conway, uh, all you have to do is just type in the keyword Conway to that number there on the screen, uh, and that will uh, shoot you a link. You can do it that way, or you can just give um, there through the app. But let me just say, last week, we challenged folks to um, really just to take a step of faith through a spiritual exercise in the area of giving, especially as, as it relates to bringing the tithe unto the Lord. Uh, last week... Uh, I was just encouraged by um, the increased level of participation, and one of the things that blessed my heart is I had several people that wrote some notes, and honestly, it just broke my heart and touched my heart as I read some of the notes, and it was, people were saying, this is the first time I've ever, ever done anything like this, and some were simply sharing, even though the amount wasn't anything from their perspective as a lot. Listen, here's the thing. We had people who gave sacrificially. We had one lady who wrote on the note. She said, I'm giving you the last $5 that I have. 
course, she wasn't giving it to me. She was giving it to God. And here's what I want you to understand. Generosity is not an amount. It's an attitude. And my prayer, my prayer, because she literally, I believe, is like a modern-day widow's mite. She gave all she had. And my prayer is that God will open the windows of heaven for that lady. I don't even know who she is. And my prayer that God will bless her in ways that she couldn't even, she couldn't even put into words. That's my prayer for her and for those who did what they did. But last week we gave over $18,800 through our weekly tithe. And I just want to say thank you to those of you who stepped out for the very first time and said, you know what, God, I'm trusting you in this area of my life. And so I just want to say thank you for that. Thank you for your obedience. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for being willing to trust God, not for, the, not for what is in front of us, but, but to live by faith and to say, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm trusting you to meet every need according to your glorious riches that are found in Christ Jesus. So thank you for your heart. Thank you for your obedience, your faithfulness in that way. Let's pray together.